0: All right, what's going on guys? Welcome back to the Run Free podcast or welcome to the Run Free podcast if this is your first time. Man, I'm excited about today. We have a special guest with us today. Rachel Johnson is joining us from Lynchburg, Virginia. Rachel, what's up? Hey,
1: what's going on?
0: Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah. How's, uh, how's quarantine life treating you?
1: Yeah, it's good. It's weird. Um, I coach at the college level and you know obviously track season is done and so um, we're kind of continuing to keep our athletes going doing some time trials and stuff like that but you know definitely a weird season to be in but um, I definitely think that there uh, is room to grow in it and so it's it can be a good season too
0: yeah for sure i'm so I'm curious you mentioned time trials how are how are those time trials going for your athletes? Are you finding that they're able to get close to kind of like their max potential in certain events? yeah definitely.
1: um for some of them, it's been like a little bit hit or miss um but overall, I feel like they've gone pretty well. And I think that people are definitely growing, um, through this season and just for them to be able to stay motivated to train right now is, um, huge. So, um, I think it's giving us some good momentum going into cross country. And one of our athletes has actually PR'd in like almost every time trial. So, um, that's been fun too, just seeing growth still in this season.
0: Wow yeah that's awesome i know i I feel like there's something going on with this like coronavirus season um not just my athletes, but I've heard of so many athletes, run free athletes in particular, hitting personal best during the season, which usually doesn't happen in time trials. Yeah. You know, it's very difficult to replicate the excitement and the energy of, of a- an actual race. So really cool to see so many athletes like making progress, and making the most of this season. Yeah,
1: definitely. And I feel like just the mindset that um, you're gaining during the season, um, if you're able to stay positive, is huge going into other seasons when there actually are races and stuff so if you can stay positive now um you'll be motivated for other times too
0: definitely definitely I'm with you all right cool so we kind of jumped into conversation but I wanted to intro Rachel a little bit for you guys who don't know Rachel um Rachel went to Plano High School am I saying that right Rachel?
1: Plano Senior High yep
0: yeah, in the Great Nation. Oh, I mean state <laughs> of Texas. And uh she was a stud runner there. She was the two thousand ten Nike Nationals champ and also the runner up that year. How did that look, by the way? How did you do both of those? Was that back to back? Yeah, football?
1: that was back to back. That was actually that was a pretty tough uh race schedule, but I kind of like didn't race that much at the beginning of the season and then um race like district regional state and then regionals for footlocker regionals for nike and then uh nike nationals nike or footlocker nationals back-to-back weekends so it was a pretty crazy race schedule for a little bit um but yeah we got it done and it was a super fun season (laughs) in the end
0: Yeah, that's that's a pretty amazing double. Has anyone, do you know, I don't follow it super close anymore. Do you know if anyone's pulled off that double and won both of those? Uh,
1: I want to say maybe Caitlin Tui has. Uh, I'm not completely sure. I don't know if anyone's ever doubled and won both of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is a super, super hard double to yeah. pull off. So that was an amazing, amazing senior year by Thanks. you. And then you uh, went on to win a couple of state track championships in the 16 and 3200 and ran a personal best of 453 for 1600. Yeah, Am I getting that right yeah. in high school? So pretty, pretty stunning running there. Then went on to go to Baylor University where you were a six-time NCAA D1 All-American and then you just set a whole bunch of records for University of Baylor. Um, I got the 3K indoors, 5K indoors, steeplechase, 5,000 meter outdoors, and 10,000 meter outdoors. Am I yep, right on that? Yep. So a whole bunch of records there. How many of those are still standing? Um, do you know?
1: I think right now they all are for, for now. So oh, wow. yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see in a few years. But yeah, I think they're still standing for now.
0: Yeah, dang, some, some quality running there. And then Rachel went on to run for Furman Elite. And then I got to know Rachel a couple of years back. She came to train in Flagstaff with Sarah and I, and I've been coaching her for the last two years. And she definitely still has her best running still in front of her. And she's not only running now, she's taken a head uh, women's distance position at Liberty University, which is why she's in Lynchburg. Um, did I say uh, that right, well, Rachel?
1: I'm an assistant coach right now, so but yeah, it is with the women's okay. distance, so yep
0: okay yep so so, uh, you got a lot going yeah. on you're you're a busy girl, for yeah, sure it's
1: super fun, um definitely different this year, balancing training still and um coaching, but it's been a really fun year, lots of growth,
0: oh, I'm sure, yeah, and we're looking forward to diving into that on this podcast and um, then, you know, Rachel has represented two U.S. national teams since uh, competing collegiately. So she has a ton of experience that we are really excited to learn from and really excited that she's come on board with Run Free Training as one of our coaches. We are just like super blessed to have her as a coach. So thank you for coaching for yeah, us, Rachel. Thanks. It's been uh, really awesome having you yeah, coach. Yeah, it's been
1: really fun coaching, too. So, um, yeah, I really love training all my
0: Athletes and um super fun. Yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. And uh when I when I think about Rachel, so I've had the pleasure of being on the bike with her while she's working out. And uh if I if you pin me down, you ask me like what is Rachel like in training, like what does she bring? she she's one of those athletes who is going to give you everything she's got plus some so she's one of those where you got to hold the reins as a coach because she's just going to pour herself out completely and I think it spills over not only into your running Rachel but also into everything you do whether it's coaching or whatever you're doing in life you are a very passionate person that just pours yourself into what you're doing so um, you definitely inspired me as a coach as I've been with you on the bike and watch you over the last couple years and like I said really excited for things to come for you in the future
1: yeah I'm excited too so thanks for those words
0: yeah yeah so I mean I guess to start things off Rachel we'd love to just hear your story um what I thought would be kind of a fun way to kick off your story you don't have to tell the whole story this way but is describe yourself in the third person like as a child so think yourself like pre-teen years like what was Rachel like as a pre-teen yeah
1: I think as a pre-teen um yeah Rachel was like pretty ambitious still I think um you know I had a lot of um like dreams and goals and kind of like a lot of different things that I was really interested in. But if I got interested in something or like set a goal for myself, I was really gonna like go after it and do some research and like try to figure out how I could be the best at like whatever I wanted to do and how I could kind of like get it done. Um, So I think I had like a lot of different hobbies when I was younger and stuff and just kind of trying to figure out like, what which one was the best one and which one I was going to be like the most successful at and I think that um from a young age I really like loved doing sports and loved um running in particular so I played soccer and basketball and um basically any sport where I could like run the most like I tried to play softball um but did not like it cause there wasn't enough running in it. So, um, and then I landed on running finally and um, kind of did it ever since. But yeah, I think when I was younger, I was still pretty goal oriented and um, just kind of had like an inner motivation like that.
0: Yeah. So uh, how old were you? when you? Um,
1: so my elementary school PE coach was the cross country coach at the high school that I would go to. And he, we did something called walk, jog, run when it was really nice weather out where he would take us out and we would walk or jog or run around the soccer field. And it was uh, 400 meters around, he kind of like made a course. And so anytime uh, we went around, we would get a popsicle stick. And I remember like running and trying to get like as many popsicle sticks as I could. And most kids would kind of just like walk around or like sprint out for the first hundred meters and then get tired. But um, for some reason, I just, like, loved running. And um, that was kind of where I found it. And my coach back then really did a good job of, like, calling that out in me and encouraging me, like, through elementary school. So I wasn't competitive in it until um, middle school when I was on the track team and stuff, but definitely knew I loved it from a young age.
0: That's so cool. I wonder, like – how many elementary school PE teachers have contributed to uh professional runners getting into the sport and having super, you know, high level of successes. I know like mine was also really influential in me getting into running. So all you elementary school teachers who are listening to this, keep doing what you're doing, keep encouraging to run. Please don't use it as punishment. It's not punishment. (laughs) It's supposed to be fun. But yeah, that is, I think, a very common thread in a lot of people's stories and how they got into running was, you know, their elementary um, yeah. coach. So uh, any other, I know you mentioned like sports was kind of your thing, but you do any other, you have any other hobbies outside of sports um,
1: Well, right now I feel like a lot of my time is divided between coaching and um, running. But I really, I think I have like an artsy side too that like doesn't really get to come out as much just because I feel like my time's kind of tied up in other things. Um, But I do, I really like like singing and playing the guitar and um, writing and stuff like that. So I feel like that's kind of a side of me that like a lot of people don't know that I have, Um, but I do. And um, so yeah, that and then, um just hanging out with friends drinking coffee with them I'm a big coffee fan um and I also have a couple dogs so those are fun they're fun to hang out with um Obi trying to escape again so um yeah but he keeps escaping from my yard but uh he's a funny guy and so yeah I definitely like hanging out with them
0: yeah, so you guys who don't know Obi, he's a miniature Siberian Husky. He came from the same breeder that we have all three of our mini Huskies from. And you guys who have Huskies, you know how they are, and you know how they like yes. to escape. So he's been he's been doing what he's yeah, bred to yeah, do. Definitely, <laughs>
1: you can probably hear them barking right now because I'm trying to block off the place that he's escaping from. But um, uh, no,
0: they, they do. don't like that.
1: But <laughs> he's funny for sure. <laughs>
0: All right. So a couple things you mentioned that, that I want to revisit there. Coffee, favorite uh, origin of coffee or favorite coffee beverage. If you go to a coffee shop, what's, yeah, your, what's your drink of choice? I definitely
1: drink coffee black. Um, I like pour overs because you can really taste like the notes and the coffee and stuff. Um, usually I kind of like stuff that's from um, Ethiopia or Kenya. Um, they normally have more of like, a fruity kind of taste in them um to me. And so yeah, um that's kind of what I would order normally at a coffee shop for sure. Yeah.
0: Nice, nice. I know, yeah, that Ethiopia stuff. If you get the right cup, it can be like yeah. super blueberry. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy.
1: Like you can actually that was kind of the first time that I really like tasted notes and coffee was when I think it was an Ethiopian cup and it was like a blueberry kind of taste. Yeah.
0: Mm. Hmm. Yeah. So good. And then uh, you mentioned being artistic. I had no idea that you sang and yeah, played the guitar. Yeah. Thanks. I am
1: not that great at playing the guitar, but I definitely like to sing a lot. So um, yeah.
0: So. Uh... You, I'm not going to put a whole bunch of pressure on you to do this, but you know, my podcast is like very bare bones, yeah. right? So I could use like a little run free <laughs> intro. If you yeah, wanna, maybe I'll you know, make something Demo some stuff for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> Better you than me. Have yeah. Yeah, i have zero listeners if I was the time. one doing that.
1: So I, maybe I can make a little jingle for it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we look forward to hearing that N- next time uh, you guys hear the podcast and there's a sweet <laughs> intro, you know, who's responsible. <laughs> um, cool. So let's, let's go back into kind of like how, when you got into running, I'd love to hear like, what were some of the biggest obstacles, whether physical or mental internal, what were some of the biggest obstacles you faced as you were entering yeah, the sport? Yeah, that's a good
1: question. Um, I think like when i was getting into the sport um was more like when i really got serious and was like okay i'm going to train like every day for this it was kind of in high school um and so my elementary school coach was the uh cross country coach but he was on the guy side so um i had a different coach that was on the women's side and i feel like she didn't know like quite as much about running and um training and I don't think she really like pushed me quite as much. She was a super encouraging coach and stuff. So, um, I appreciated her for that. Um, but I think I kind of just needed a little bit more guidance like training wise. Um, so I think that was something that was tough for me. Um, at the start was just like wanting to be better, but not really knowing like how to get there. And so I eventually joined a club team in Dallas and um, kind of like started learning how to train there. But yeah, that was a weird time because my parents didn't run when I was um, younger and had like no experience with running and stuff. So I think that they, um, they couldn't really help me. And um yeah so getting a club coach was kind of a big thing for me but I think that was a big um barrier at the start was just like not really knowing knowing I had like a talent for something but not really knowing like how to use it well
0: right right so I'm super curious how you juggled those two so how old were you um I think
1: I was that was my sophomore year um right like in the middle of it I kind of like had a goal that year that I wanted to make it to state in cross country and I was able to do that but felt like I was kind of just like flattening out and not really getting that much better. Um, so that was kind of when I decided to like pursue um, a club coach. So yeah.
0: Okay. So what did that, cause I think, you know, some people who are listening, I just released a podcast, not that a couple of weeks back on yeah, uh, kids yeah. getting into running. So say like for people who do have high school kids and they're in a similar situation to you where maybe there's like not getting pushed quite enough or they just need like, more yeah. resources right like someone with a little bit higher level of expertise so what did how did that look like for you being on a club and then also you're still representing yeah. your high school yeah. right? So track.
1: my club team was basically we met on like harder workout days which were tuesdays and then if we didn't have a meet on saturdays um so really i would only meet up with them once or twice a week and then we would get workouts for the rest of the week um and My high school coach was really, like I said, she was someone who was really encouraging. And so um, she was really okay with me doing all of the workouts uh, with my club team and kind of just said, like, however you need to train, like, you can do that. And so she let me be really flexible in how I was using my time while I was at my high school. So I was on the schedule for my club team, but um, just running like the workouts at my high school for the most part. And then on Tuesdays I would go and work out with my club team. So, um, I had it really good. I think, um, other high school coaches of athletes that were on the club team weren't as good at working with athletes. And, um, that was tough for them because their coach would plan like a hard workout day when we had a hard one at, um, striders which was the club team that I was on so they would like purposefully like try to make it so that they couldn't go to practice and stuff so um yeah it's like a weird balance for them but for me uh it flowed really well
0: yeah well I am like super inspired by your high school coach to have the humility to be able to let you go and like let someone take the reins who yeah, you know yeah. had more knowledge. Um, that is re- that really just strikes me as an amazing quality that your yeah, your high definitely. school coach had. So yeah, that's yeah, off for to sure. him.
1: Yeah, Coach Pittman, if you're listening, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that is that is really really inspiring um and one of the things you know I've worked with a lot of coaches throughout my career and I remember one of the things that struck me most about one of my coaches that I had the opportunity to work oh, yeah. with was with Jack Daniels who he's like one of the best in my mind Is like one of the best if not the best coach in the world in terms of knowledge like the amount that guy knows is just incredible the amount of experience he has working with world-class athletes in the lab and coaching directly is incredible and yet like I found him to be the most humble coach I'd ever worked with where oftentimes I'd ask him questions and he'd be like I don't know and, you know, whereas like a lot of coaches, they, they want to put up a, a face of like, I know everything, like you can trust me, like I know what I'm doing, and I need to always provide an answer. But he's like very yeah. quick to just be like, I don't know. And so I find that super, super inspiring and a really, um, I think, helpful quality for coaches and parents to have.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: So. Um, Yeah,
1: we read um, this book, like the whole athletic staff here, uh, that our AD kind of gave all of us this year. And it's called uh, Hungry, Humble, Smart. And it's kind of like the qualities that are really good for um, leaders to have. And yeah, humility was definitely at the top of that list, just like being able to know what you're good at, but then also know um like when to ask for help so yeah I think you're spot on great quality for right. parents and coaches to have yeah
0: yeah yeah that sounds like a cool should. book I'll have to check yeah. that out it sounds like a good one so obviously you know as you transition to that club atmosphere that really worked for you right because then you're junior yeah, year you had yeah, a really definitely. good year correct I dropped
1: some big prs and um, yeah, kind of like got on some coaches' radars just heading into um, senior year, where you know that was important.
0: Right. So I'm curious, like from a physical standpoint and a training standpoint, how did your training change from your sophomore to junior year? That allowed. Yeah. To, like, well, a I think I
1: was now? probably doing about um, like. Twenty to twenty five miles um and I definitely upped my mileage some like safely and over time, but I think I kind of got to um around like forty ish miles um it, which I guess, like, I felt like I could handle and felt like I was recovering from. And then um, just, like, doing more workouts and stuff. I think we did a lot of kind of easy runs and um, things like that, but adding in some more tempo runs and the speed work and also just having, like, different phases. So if anyone's really familiar with – like training styles we were on the lydiard um training plan which uh you kind of build a base with a lot of tempo runs and fart licks at first and then you go into a hills phase and then a speed phase at the end um so that was kind of like what my training was like in high school so I think just like being able to train with more like science behind it and um just increasing the level of training too um was really what helped me to get better.
0: Yeah, yeah. So were you doing like three workouts a yeah, week, two it was workouts usually, a week How far um, are you going?
1: Two like harder workouts and then one like lighter workout um on thursday so we would go like tuesday thursday and then saturday we would either have a race or another workout yeah
0: Okay. Nice. Interesting. And were you guys uh, doing um, any weight training in I did some high school? like
1: a little bit on my own. He, my coach like encouraged us to do a lot of core and um, things like that. And so, yeah, I would do like a little bit on my own, but that is something that I feel like I could have added more in to my, um, to my training. I feel like when I was in high school, the um vibe around like high schoolers lifting was kind of like oh you'll like get hurt if you lift like too much as a young kid um but I feel like with everyone and this is with like any sport you just have to be able to listen to your body and kind of know when to push and when not to Yeah,
0: definitely definitely and I think lifting is certainly one of those things where you just like don't put your body in compromising situations right and like if if you're in if you're in doubt with a you know a bunch of weight on your back and it's not feeling right yeah, like just don't go down yeah, into that sure, squat you know sure. like, and
1: i mean i feel like with high schoolers too it's good to add like a little bit of weight but you don't have to be trying to do lifts like college kids are doing and things like that you know um just like slowly build it in and um go from there
0: yeah yeah Cool. So then, how was the transition to college? Because I know we do have some listeners who are in high school. They're maybe going to college next year, going to college in the next couple of years. How was it for yeah, you? Yeah, it was definitely to tough. Um,
1: I feel like, you know, when I was in high school, I was kind of out there winning a lot of races and pretty far ahead of people in um, some races. Not like the big ones, like nationals and state and stuff. I definitely had competition there. But some of the races early in the season, you know, you're just kind of like out pretty far ahead. And even if you do have competition later in the season, there's not like a ton of people that are running with you. So I think the huge transition for me in college was that it was just so weird to like, be having a good race, but be like in the midst of a giant pack of people. Um, And so I think that really took a toll on me mentally. And I kind of had to learn how to be confident in myself and really be able to um like be comfortable racing around a lot of people
0: yeah so was that like how did that look for you Was that something you just had to kind of grow into and it took a period of time, or was there a moment where you like, okay, yeah, I, I think there is kind of definitely um
1: a lot of growing in it. I actually I went to a sports psych um who really, really helped me. And um, we worked on a lot of visualization in races and stuff, and just like visualizing being calm, but being around a lot of people. Um, and visualizing like having a good race and like how I'm gonna feel during it, and being like relaxed while I'm running, and kind of just getting back to feeling like myself running because for the first couple of years in college, I don't really think that I felt like myself running. Like I feel like I was trying to prove myself um, to others around me um, and things. And so I think just kind of letting that go and being able to relax in a race and be confident in myself was um, huge. And yeah, I definitely um, love sports psychologists. I think that they are awesome in helping athletes.
0: Definitely. Definitely. That's, that's cool. I'm glad you brought up visualization. Cause I think that's super important. And you're, you've actually produced one visualization yeah. that we got coming out with run free, which I'm super excited about. And we'll have to get some more out from you because obviously that's been super beneficial for you. So how many times, like, did it take do, going through this visualization? Yeah. Well, I really kind start of started my
1: um, sophomore year at the end of sophomore year. And um, I think, I was kind of burnt out at the end of that season anyway. And um, not that it was a lost season, but I was just like really tired by the end of that season anyway. Um, just like mentally, I think. And so um, I don't think that I really kind of got the hang of things until junior year and um, cross country. And um, I think like having a whole summer just to like train and really like get in that good mindset really helped where I was kind of like away from races for a little while and could just like build some confidence and training and stuff and then bring that into races. Um, And then I kind of continued to keep working with that sports psych um, going into junior year. And um, yeah, slowly just started working up to being more at the front of races and being calm and collected like in those groups of really good runners. And
0: um, yeah, it just kind of clicked. Yeah, that's cool. So going back to visualization real quick, um, then we'll continue on with your story. But so now that you're coaching athletes, what's, how do you tell your athletes to visualize? Like, what does it look like for them to visualize? Like, what's your, like, are they doing it once a week? Are they, is there a certain program they're listening to? Do you just tell them to do it like in training or on their own in their yeah, dorm rooms? Like, so what does it look like for done your athletes? It, um,
1: we just started doing it more in like indoor season Um, for some reason. I don't know. I, it wasn't something that like came to my mind a ton in cross country and we would definitely try to like get in the right mindset and um, you know, have a good team meeting before races and stuff. But really during indoor, I was like, I should really add in some visualization for my athletes. So the day before they would race, we would kind of go in the team room and just, um, or wherever we were, were, like in a hotel or something and um, do some visualization. And um, it, it was pretty similar to the visualization that I recorded um, for us, uh, for Run Free. So, um, yeah, definitely listen to that. And uh, that's kind of what we were doing during indoor season. And then I actually recorded it for them. So they kind of had that vis- visualization if they wanted it and um I kinda added that into their training logs too is like, hey, do this like a couple of times a week, especially on um race week and stuff. So yeah.
0: so when you had them start doing their visualizations was that something where you saw like a huge difference in performance right away or has it been just kind of like a gradual like improvement or you've noticed some kids commenting like hey that was really helpful like what have kind of like the results of implementing yeah. visualization um, been well, for your crew immediately
1: right off the bat people are definitely relaxed after they do the visualization you know we kind of like dim down the lights and everyone's closing their eyes and just like relaxing and um um that kind of sounds silly but i feel like that's a big thing going into a race if you can go into it with a relaxed mindset i think that's way better so Um, like the day before just doing that and being able to calm yourself down and not having all those nerves like rushing around um, everywhere, I feel like has been big for them. And they definitely say that it's helped them during a race and things like that, too. And I think this year, their confidence, the confidence on the team has just grown a whole lot. And um, it's cool. I think some of that is uh, visualization. And I think Some of it, too, is just, um, like, I really try to show my athletes that I believe in them. And so, um, like, having someone who believes in you and just, like, wants you to be doing your best but isn't putting, like, a ton of pressure on you to do that, I feel like is a great way to help motivate people and um, get them, like, in the right mindset for races.
0: Definitely. Uh, There's just so much power in like seeing yourself. Do something and they've actually like shown that like yeah so you know how like every time you think a thought um, or have an experience like it it drives a neurological pathway in your brain and it like it's like a it's like a canyon that gets formed and all of a sudden it gets yeah. easier and easier for this thought to keep happening you know like it it's like creating like a, a space for this and it's the same that's what visualization does it's like it's just yeah. as powerful yeah. as if it actually happened you know so we all know, like, when you've done something before, it's easier to yeah. go back and do it again. You know, physically speaking, and this—that's what we're doing with visualization. We're like, sh- we're we're like basically tricking the mind that this has already happened, and now it just got to go back and do the same thing that it's already done a whole bunch of times, and that neurological yeah. pathway is already like really driven in there. So, so, so yeah, powerful. Sure. I'm really it's glad that you have your helpful. team doing that. Yeah, that's cool. So um, going back to Baylor, I'm curious, you know, run free training, it, we're, our whole, what makes us different, what makes us unique yeah. is we're like a holistic approach to training, right? Because we know that you can do the perfect training, but if you're nutrition and sleep and uh, weights and all that stuff is not dialed in. It's not going to matter that you're following the perfect training plan. So that's why we're all about, that's why we're having this conversation right now, trying to get into like the inner, the inside life and what's going on inside of our minds and hearts. So, um, I know collegiately for me, sleep and nutrition were two categories that were (laughs) nearly impossible for me to get my first two years how was it at Baylor? How was it for you transitioning in terms of like sleep and nutrition in particular?
1: I feel like half of, um, me getting better in college was due to like my mindset, but then the other half was just doing all those little things like the sleep and nutrition. Um, well, and like really being diligent about like, okay, this is the time that I have to do my schoolwork This is the time that I have at practice. This is the time I have with friends. And like, I'm cutting it off at this time so that I can sleep. Um, (laughs) It was like something that I really had to learn. And um, it really helped me just to like, get a schedule down for the day and, like, write out what I needed to do and when I was going to do it um, so that I kind of had, like, time slots. And then that way, when I was doing something, I was able to stay, like, fully focused in the moment. Um, So I feel like that was something that really helped me. And that was another thing my sports psych really helped me with was, like, Um, I got really nervous about like not having enough time to do everything that I felt like I needed to do. And so um, just being able to have that schedule really made me a lot more like relaxed and calm. And I just knew I was going to be able to get everything done and that I would have time to get in the sleep that I needed to. Um, So having that in place was super important. And then um, the new. Oh, yeah.
0: Hold on. So, Rachel, before you move on, I want to just pause on that because I think that is, like, a gem right there. Like, what you just said and your experience with that, I think for people who are – man, because I I don't think I'm alone in this. Like, just being really scattered, whether it's in my mind or in my day, and I'm just running from, like, to-do to to to-do. But I loved what you're saying about your schedule and how that actually, like, allowed you to be present in what you were doing So, like, for our athletes who are listening to this, guys, like, this might be something that can be hugely helpful for you, even, like, in our current, like, quarantine situation, like, having a schedule being like, okay, like, this next hour is about personal development, and I'm going to spend this time, like, reading a book that I want to read, or this next hour is about, you know, tutoring my kid in school, whatever it is, like, what you said about having a schedule, I think can be super transformative and really helpful for people. So. Thank you for sharing that, Jim. I just wanted to reinforce that before you moved on to nutrition. But I I do want to hear about that. um,
1: That's huge. And just, I feel like I feel more accomplished too, at the end of the day, looking back and saying like, man, I did everything that I was trying to do today and like everything that was on the list of things, um, I did. And, uh, so that just gives you a sense of accomplishment too, and, um, makes the day better. I feel like, um, but yeah, I think uh, the on the nutrition totally. side of things, um, that was definitely something that was tough for me going into college. Um, you know, for me, I guess I had my mom cooking <laughs> when I was in high school and stuff and didn't really do a bunch of cooking on my own and stuff. And um, so I think that was something that was really new for me. Like going to college was you have this huge food court with like endless options and the whole like guys cross country team is grabbing like six cookies at the end of um, a meal and stuff and like going back for seconds and (laughs) thirds and like you can do that. And the food's really good and stuff. So um, I feel like that was something that was tough for me to adjust to. And um, yeah, I feel like I kind of had to get a handle on that before um, I like, started dropping sometimes. And, um, I don't think that I've talked with you about this, but, um, when I was going into, um, or in my, during my junior year, um, I actually got like really like obsessive about that stuff. And, um, I like developed an eating disorder like during college. And so um, that was something that I went through during college where I feel like, you know, nutrition is a balance and you can't be eating like six cookies as a dessert every single night, but you also have to be able to fuel yourself well so that you can um, like run fast and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I definitely think like uh, I lost a lot of weight during my junior year and I started PRing by a ton as well. And I think that's kind of something that contributed to success. But then I went too far in it um, and ended up having to go like to rehab for it and doing all this stuff. And um, eventually, I say all that because eventually at the end of my college career, I gained back A good amount of that weight and was kind of like at a healthy weight and was still continuing to pr and stuff so i do think that there's a sweet spot for athletes where it's like okay if you are like this weight then you're probably a little bit too much um, for yourself to be able to pr well but if you go under it then that's not good either so i was pring and like doing my best when I found the right weight for me, which like wasn't too heavy, and it wasn't too light. So um, I think just finding the balance of that is super important.
0: Yeah, wow, well, yeah, you've definitely um, had an experience, I think that actually a lot of people have had, like, I can relate to that on a really big level myself, like, towards the tail end of my pro career getting down 127 pounds at five foot ten and being the the only difference and I think this is really interesting because I think oftentimes you know this gets pegged as like a woman's runner issue when it's really not like guys like we might be going back for six cookies but there's also like guys out there who are like you know they have eating disorders and like like I probably you know I never got diagnosed or whatever but like the weight I was at was super unhealthy and not, you know, I'd probably be diagnosed as having an eating disorder when I was towards the tail end of my pro career too. So it's not just a, a woman's issue. And I think it's really important that these things are talked about and, and the information is shared on like, like things that were helpful for you to like, get through that. So I'm curious now, like, obviously you're a coach as well now. So how do you talk, having the experiences that you've had collegiately with the nutrition, with the eating disorder, like how do you talk to both oh, I guess you're in charge of the girls on your team. So let's just stick with that. But how do you, how do you, what's your approach with girls who any, you you might even notice like certain girls might have tendencies towards this. Right. So like, how do you talk, how do you have those conversations with kids um, on your team and with athletes that you coach?
1: Just being like vulnerable with people. Um, so I ended up kind of like sharing my story and, um, including like, you know, battling an eating disorder and, um, you know, body image and stuff like that. And, Um, after I kind of shared that, I shared it like with the whole team. And after that, a lot of girls came and talked with me about some of the stuff that they were going through. And um, so I think just like being open to them at first, and like being vulnerable myself, created space for me to be able to talk with them about some of that stuff, because it's like, okay, well, this is something she's dealt with. Um, And, you know, I feel like with eating disorders, too, it's always something where, like, Those thought patterns are can still like so easily come back. So it's always something that you're going to be battling even when you've like recovered um, from it. And so like, it's something that I've dealt with and something that you still have to be aware of in yourself right now. So I feel like that's made it easier for me to connect with people um, just being open with them at first.
0: Yeah, I think that's why, you know, they say like, your greatest struggle will become your greatest area of ministry and helping other people. you know, it's because, man, when you know someone's gone through it, you, you, they're like a brother or sister to you, right? It's like, you feel just totally open and like you said, vulnerable with them so i'm I'm curious, like you know you mentioned like the thoughts and the mental stuff, so I'm curious like what things really helped you get out of that eating disorder. I know you mentioned going to like rehab for it, like what were the things that you learned in there, the thought patterns that you had to develop like can you kind of walk us through like some yeah of the stuff that was well, super helpful I think so kind of like getting I went out to of that rehab.
1: this all kind of started like my junior year um going like at the end of cross country season and it wasn't until my senior year at the end of cross country season where um, I had my athletic trainers at Baylor who were really awesome kind of like come to me and say like okay like you can't keep doing like what you're doing and um, really confronted me about it which I thought was you know that's what needed to happen and stuff. And so basically, they told me that I wouldn't be able to compete unless I was a certain weight. Um, And so I think for me, uh, just because like I was saying at the beginning, I've always been so like goal oriented, you know, that was my senior year track season coming up. And I wasn't about to just like not race during it. And so for me, like going to rehab, which was something that um, they made all these rules of things like that, I had to weigh a certain amount and go to this rehab program and all these things so that I could compete um, my senior year. So I think that starting off, it wasn't really something that I wanted to do, but it was something that I had to do to be able to compete. And so I think for me, it was a little bit of like a forced recovery at first. Um, And then after that, I feel like just being able to be like in the rehab center and like talking with some psychologists and like other people, too, that had problems and building that community and being able to talk with it. Um, and the open about people or about it with people was huge. um, Because then it wasn't just like this thing that was kind of like a secret to myself. It was something that was like out in the open, and I had other people to lean on um, with it. So I think building community and uh, people around you to keep you accountable is something that um, really helped me. And um, that's kind of like you were asking how I deal with this on the team, too. That's kind of how I deal with it with my athletes as well. If like, someone comes up to me, and maybe they're not their ideal weight, like they're maybe wanting to like lose some weight. It's like, okay, well, let's do this in a really healthy way. And I'm glad that those people come to me and like, talk with me about how they want to do it, because then I can keep them accountable and kind of check in with them every week and be like, what are your thought patterns and how are you doing with this and stuff? So um, I think having accountability and just people surrounding you um, is really good. And that's kind of eventually what helped me to get out of it. So at the beginning, I didn't really feel like I wanted to, but then um, having those people around me uh, to support me really helped out.
0: Wow. That's really cool. Um, So I'm thinking through like people who might be listening to this podcast and I'm thinking about like people who are on their own, say like they're out of college or maybe they're in college and they're just like into running and they're not um, on a team. So someone who's trying to deal with this issue who is on their own, do you have like any tips or I know the community you mentioned is such a big thing, like ways that they can, you know, fight this thing if they are feeling very much on their own or pe- could you like point them to i don't know like i know like alcohol alcoholics anonymous yeah. they have like a club about this right where it is a community of people who get to um you know rally together to fight this thing like do you have any any tips for people who are yeah. not oh, legit man. runners I wish who are, are working more. on this issue
1: Um, I wish that I knew more about resources that are out there for people um, like this like if there were an alcohol anonymous but for eating disorders I don't know if there is but that would be something to definitely look into but I feel like even just talking with people who aren't runners in your life like. I don't know. For me, I talked about it with my sister and some of my best friends that were at Baylor and stuff. And um, that just made me feel like I wasn't alone, even though they were people that weren't going through that specific issue Um, like they and some of them were like some of my college teammates had um, battled with either eating disorders or body image or something like that. Um, but just like even people that weren't like my family and stuff, like just admitting to somebody that you're like thinking through these things makes it not as big in your mind. Like it kind of makes it smaller in a way to like have all of it out there and stuff. Because for me for so long, it was just like this, kind of secret that I had with myself and I feel like when I was able to speak it out to other people it became something that I wasn't battling alone in anymore and I mean I think the same thing is true with like good things like your goals and things like that like once you start saying it to somebody and like have accountability in that whether it's someone who understands them it like your coach, if it's a running goal, or your training partners, if it's a running goal, or if it's someone who's not running, like your parents or brother or sister, like, I feel like it just makes you uh, so much more motivated to go after it.
0: Totally. Yeah, there's something about like speaking things out, like the power of the tongue is, is so real. Man, there is so much good stuff in what you just said. I've, my head is starting to get sore from nodding. People can't see me nodding in my car, but so I think uh, touching on like some of the things you said, like being having it out in the open, you know, and like not having a secret about it, like talking to people about it. And even for people, like you mentioned, like your sisters, you could talk to you. Like, there's gotta be like some, like you're listening to this podcast and this is an issue that like you are battling on your own. Like, I guarantee you there's someone around you who cares and wants to know about this. And like, by speaking it out like Rachel is saying, it's actually going to make it smaller and it's going to make it easier to deal with this thing. And it's just going to, I think, unload like a whole bunch of weight off you. We talk about run free training. That's what it's all about. It's like unloading that extra weight we're carrying around. And I think sharing secrets with, People are in community with is is so helpful in that, so I know yeah. if you 're a run free athlete like you this is something you can talk about with your coach like we want to help you with this issue if this is something and i've done podcasts on this before, and Rachel, this is the next thing I want to ask you about, but is how do you find that healthy weight because like your trainers gave you this weight to To hit before you could compete, which was really brilliant on their part, and I don't know if it was intentionally brilliant, but like you are so goal oriented, and and, like you've mentioned a number of times in the podcast, and they use that 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 motivation to like
1: like dangle that
0: (laughs) carrot out in front of you, and like you went right after it and got it, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Like so, like that's. I think something to be said for like overcoming issues like this is like knowing yourself and knowing like what like gets me super motivated, yeah. like really fired up. And for you, it's like having that tangible goal to go after, and they they use that to like help you get out of this, you know. So, but how yeah. did they well, find it was number? kind number? Of like, so I'm they super just went off of um
1: like BMI, I guess, and what like uh. Like you know, with BMI, they have like underweight numbers and normal weight numbers and then overweight numbers. So they just wanted me in that like normal range, and I think that was kind of just like the um the base where I like needed to be, you know. But that wasn't necessarily like okay, this is the best weight for you to be able to like run your best. So um, I think for me, it's just kind of been um, figuring it out over time and. I mean, even like experimenting with it, because that was kind of my senior year. And so um, like I was done running in college and didn't have my athletic trainers to really be there and like help after that. So, um, yeah, I feel like it was a lot of like experimenting. And then eventually I just figured out, you know, like when I eat when I'm hungry and like don't eat if I'm not hungry, that like is the best indicator for me of like eating well and stuff. And um, so I feel like that's kind of just what I do now and that seemed to work for me. Um, But yeah, I don't know. That's, that's something that is hard to figure out too is like what your ideal weight could be.
0: Right. I, I love that. Like, Oftentimes in life, like the most like simple, like rule or like, yeah, piece of advice is the thing that like frees you and like helps you the most, you know, just like eat when you're hungry and don't eat when you're not hungry. Like, it's so simple and so straightforward, but so helpful and like, can yeah. be that, and that I piece guess that will you're looking put, like, for to will help you find that like that. proper think, weight, you know, like you need to
1: eat when you're hungry and not eat when you're not hungry. But like after a really hard, there are certain rules that I kind of like follow, like after a super hard workout, I might not be hungry, but I know I need to get nutrition in. And so I'm going to like eat a snack or something like that um, right after a hard workout. So things like that, I think, are important. Um to kind of follow like if it's surrounding a workout sometimes I will ignore what my body's saying if it doesn't feel like it wants to eat something and just go for it anyway or you know like if you're marathon training and you're doing a marathon simulation or long run and you don't feel like taking that gel you need that gel so um yeah I think that that's kind of the asterisk that I would put beside that too.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you added that. That's, that's really important. Because there are times when yeah, you yeah. are not feeling a certain part, way, and you need to act feel like a different way. Best. Anyways. see. All right. All right. And then I also yeah. like would add to that too, like, as long as you're eating healthy foods, um, because like, if you're eating, I was using this as an example, yeah. like, I can eat 400 calories of like, say like Fritos or something and it goes down super easy and like I'm still hungry right yeah. but if I eat 400 calories of a sweet potato that's a 20 ounce sweet potato yeah. and my stomach is gonna be full and I'm not gonna be hungry for a while yeah. you know so I think it's gotta be like god foods you know like as yeah, natural as possible definitely. foods for that to like really take hold and work So I'm curious. I know you mentioned like with some of your athletes who do, I mean, this is the tricky thing with running, right? Is like weight is definitely an issue. And, uh, a lot of people, they do need to like lean out a little bit in order to run at the right weight. Like, so obviously we want them to be strong, but they also need to be like lean too. So, um, I want to ask this in two different categories. So the first category is for like the person who is say maybe come out of an eating disorder or has these tendencies to fall into like disordered eating and thinking how, what would be a proper strategy, a healthy way for them to lose weight? And then the second category for someone, maybe you, you know, hasn't had this issue before, but like, what would you tell them is a healthy strategy for them to lose weight? And they might be the same. Hmm, That's a good question. No worries Um... on that.
1: Actually, I might have to come back to that one because I don't have an answer like right off of that. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, no problem. We can uh, we can revisit that or we can even talk about that in a future podcast because this has been super good and I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people who are listening to this. Um all right, cool. So let's uh let's keep moving through your story. We have a little bit of time left. We're not going to yeah, get through nearly all the questions that I had for you. So we might have to have you back on at some point. Um, so I want to move on to motivation a little bit. So what you've mentioned, like how goals are really motivating for you. Like what have you been able to nail down and maybe not, but nail down like what is it that like really like – Makes me tick. What is it that like just fires me up? um Actually, that's gonna be. I guess this will come out after this podcast is released. So my yeah. last, the, the last podcast that we've had is on like how to get fired up, right? Like how to bring it, how to like, like when you really ne- need to dig deep and find everything inside of you. Like how do you find it? Like what is it for you that like really and I'm talking about like that like moment when you're in the crucible, when you're in the crux of the moment where it's like make or break, like like you're either gonna fall off the pace or you're gonna rally and like stick on it. Like yeah, what is it? Yeah, how do you get question. through those moments um, where you are just really like in a world workouts, of pain?
1: uh just listening to some bangers is good. Um uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh but music does actually help me a lot while I'm uh, working out. But <laughs> uh, but seriously, though, I feel like uh just being able to set those goals like beforehand and like know what I'm doing and what the purpose of the workout or race is, um, I feel like is something that will help me to stay motivated like through through the whole thing and um just being able to find motivation like within myself and not motivation from like okay I have to prove myself to this person or um you know I'm racing like because of this you know like I think if I can just race because it's something that like I want to do and for me to um you know, like I am a Christian. And so I want to like glorify the Lord with like my talents and um, gifts and abilities that he's given me. Um, So I think that just like being able to have that as motivation, um, like really helps me to be able to do um, some big things. So I think like finding motivation from things that are within you, um, and more like intrinsic motivations, as opposed to um, things like, I don't know winning prize money or um, like proving myself to my coach or you know something like that. Like I think that those are things that you know you don't. They're not going to motivate you in the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's good stuff. It's funny. Like you can t- almost tell like yeah. an athlete's level of maturity by like their what drives them you know and I feel like it gets like more and more like pure like kind of the older you get early on it's just like I want to like run the most laps in my PE class you know (laughs) I want to impress this girl in my high school like but it gets like I think that just gets like kind of refined right like as you grow as an athlete and as a person and I think that's one of the beautiful things about running is that we have to go to that spot so often so we get to practice it like over and over and over again where you are like you're like I said you're in the the crucible right and like you got to figure out like how you're going to survive that. And that makes you like have to dig down deep within yourself. So I love like hearing like your response and other people's response of how they like manage that moment and the things that drive them within that moment. um, So thanks for sharing that was cool. Going
1: into a race Um, like knowing, that there's going to be a moment when it really, really hurts. Like, I think so many times, like we visualize a race or like think of a race and be like, okay, I'm going to feel smooth and feel good. And then that just makes it so that the moment it starts to hurt, it's like, oh man, I didn't think it was supposed to feel like this. But I think like going into a race, knowing that it's going to be painful is kind of an important thing and not to be like afraid of that pain. But just knowing that that pain is there because like you're doing something that like not many other people would go and do, you know, and um, you're doing it for a reason, whatever your motivation is. Um, But yeah, I think that's another thing that helps me going into a race is just like being prepared for it mentally like that.
0: Totally. Setting that expectation. So I'm curious, um, I'm explaining to you a phenomenon that I've experienced with both me and athletes I've coached. And I'm curious if it's true for you and athletes that you've coached, Rachel, but it's this, that, like, I love it when either I or my athletes have a really crappy pre-race workout, like the workout, like three days prior to the race. Because just for that reason of what you're talking about alone, because if you have an amazing workout and you float through it, the workout before, then you expect (laughs) the race to go that way too. And you're like, I'm going to feel amazing. I'm going to float the whole time. It's not going to hurt. Like you just set this like really unrealistic expectation. And then that almost always does not work out, you know, whereas like, like I've said all the time, like. I yeah. would have a really hard time running two miles at goal marathon pace three days before the race. And then I'm like freaking out on the inside, but I'm also like preparing myself that, Hey, this is going to be a battle and this is going to be a war. And like, I need to prepare myself to suffer here and having that mentality on the starting line has been like yeah, way more definitely. I mean, just you know, expecting I feel like to float through. So have you experienced that, that at all with you or your a certain athletes?
1: Way a couple of days before a race, it like means nothing to me, you know, like I've had, races where i feel great going into it and then they're terrible and i've had races that feel terrible i feel terrible going into it and then they're great so um i guess like just not letting that pre-race kind of affect you um is big and stuff and um yeah also like you're saying just going into the race with like a healthy respect for how it's going to feel during it and knowing that you're going to have to push at some point yeah
0: yeah yeah I think just just being over prepared to suffer you know (laughs) like if you're over prepared then if it doesn't hurt as bad as you thought it was gonna hurt then you know that's great like that yeah and I don't think that makes it easy but you (laughs) you don't want to go the other way you know you don't want to be under prepared to suffer
1: but just like knowing that it's it's gonna be there
0: right Definitely. Definitely. It's like, it's like, I, I was yelling at my girls yeah. today. I was taking them through a, a bike workout and I was yelling at them. And I was like, we love to suffer. Like, this is like why we do this. Cause it's fun <laughs> to suffer. And like, that might sound like really like, uh, I don't know what's the right word I'm looking for, but like really unhealthy, but it, there is like something really satisfying about suffering well and managing pain well, and like challenging yourself and happy. Like I said, being in that that crucible moment where you got to like find everything inside yourself. Like there's nothing wrong with like having to go deep and draw deep from the well, you know, and getting to test the waters. So I think just like flipping that mindset around and being like, I actually like, this is why I'm doing this. Like, I love to suffer. I love the pain. Like, almost like you're like, you know how like in a race, it doesn't hurt usually for the first like half of the race and it starts to really hurt. But it's almost like the whole first half of the race, just like, I just can't wait to start hurting. I just can't wait to start hurting because that's when I get good. You know, that's when like, I shine. That's when the good stuff comes. You know, it's like almost like you're like yeah. holding it back, holding it back. And then all of a sudden, you start yeah, suffering. Then you go to battle. Fun. Then you start that's boxing. Kind of like you know, then you start hitting, start throwing punches. Is... We
1: saw so... uh, this. I think it was like a workout Wednesday, and it was with I think it was the BYU team, and the coach was just like yelling at their athletes, like "This is fun!" Like during the workout. And so Isaac, the men's coach, and I have started saying that like during workouts and races, (laughs) and some of my athletes will start like laughing during a race or something, or at least like (laughs) smile in the middle of it, which is kind of fun. So I like seeing that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Yeah, it's funny how like laughing or smiling in a race can make you like, just relax right and then you're able to like start performing a little better so all right yeah, so we'll fun. have to start trying yeah. that all, all uh, run free athletes when you're hurting this is fun <laughs> uh, well speaking of that, this has been really fun Rachel thank you for taking so much time with <laughs> us I want to just end with man I had uh, so many more questions it's hard to hard to pull the ones now that are my favorite questions to ask. So I guess I'll just end with this. Let's run through each one of the categories of run free training and just share. It doesn't have to be the most. I'm not going to pin you down. Be like, what's the most helpful tip you have in the nutrition category? But just you know, something that's been super helpful for you that you've learned um throughout your your long and storied career as a as a yeah. runner um, in each one of our categories. And if you can't think yeah, of something, just pass to the next one. So. Um, let's start with sure nutrition a
1: good post-workout snack i think that's a big one yeah um nice. i like and, I and think that what does that look like for you how do you define well that on this and meanwhile well on it something with a good amount of protein and carbs in it um fats like not really um, what you want to be getting in at that time, but, um, something with protein so you can build up your muscles and, um, carbs too. So, um, sometimes it's easy to pack for me to pack like a bar, like a cliff bar or something like that. Yep. Um, other times like a protein smoothie or something like that is good. Um, but Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, sleep, rest, and recovery that, that just, is uh, is just that to like have some time
1: have. where you're relaxing right before you go to sleep and not just like working on a ton of things because then your mind's going like crazy, you know? So, um, get away from your phone or for me, I'll like always turn on like the yellow uh-huh. kind of light that makes your screen like not the blue I guess I don't know on iPhones there's like a setting for that um, and it's supposed to help you uh, be able to sleep better if you are looking at your screen
0: yep also on that note Sarah does the same thing with her phone by the way but uh natural fire it doesn't have any of that blue light. So yeah. you're fine with like, so if you want to do like some candlelight reading, or like we had a bonfire at my house last night, like that kind of light is, is good. No problems with that one, but otherwise, yeah, putting on that like blue light blocking um, on your phone, I think is super helpful. So good tip on that. All right. How about like uh, the 1%? So this would be like, uh, Self massage, yeah. lifting. Um,
1: um, I would the say things we have in that one percent um, category. Just the you know little is, things is that make a big difference. Really big, I think, and a lot of people can skip out on because it's like, oh, it's like ten or fifteen minutes, and I don't want to do it, and you know, it won't make that big of a difference. But I think that it really does. Um, so definitely do core. Um, I think that that has helped keep a lot of my athletes on the team, um, injury free and that's helped a lot.
0: Totally. And, uh, yeah. and Rachel's going to throw up her, we're going to have her run, her, uh, core routine on our run free YouTube site. So you can check that out. It'll be good stuff. And I, I love like short core routines, yeah, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, if it's like a 30-minute core routine, like you're the, you're, you're not going to do that very often, right? Because you're just like, oh, I don't have time for that. The little like, yeah, like yeah. 10, 15-minute hit of core and, and you're like you said, Rachel, doing it consistently is what's most important. Yeah, so, um, I um, think I love that. like being able All to right, schedule how about on your training, training and kind of things? like
1: protect your time to train is um, a really key thing to do like have your time that you know you are going to protect to train whether that's like a couple hours uh on saturday for your long run and really having to like plan that in or if you need to plan it in like before uh work every day just having that like consistent time that's your time to train is going to make it so that you always get your training in Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You got to plan if you're going to succeed. All right. Uh, last, last category is the inside game. What, yeah. Well, we talked about this for a bunch you? and um, I really, think managing your mind and emotions and like that, that was
1: something that was a huge key for me in college. And, um, so yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing I've seen it really transform my life as an athlete and my athletes as well. So um, yeah, I'm excited to get those visualizations up for Run Free. Yeah, awesome. Um, Rage And then, runs uh, last question where where can
0: Instagram people channel. find you so, on uh, yeah, on you social media and all me that? I'm
1: there.
0: Um, yeah, Rich Runs World
1: i know it sounds so like it would be where, where did you uh, get the name
0: from man. i feel like i that's don't like know was, i think i uh, thought TV it just show sounded name or really something like that. um
1: so i don't know it kind of had the r sounds going for it um so yeah that was just what i came up with whenever i was in college and instagram was uh-huh. <laughs> becoming a thing and it's just stuck <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: there's not any little bit of remorse in your voice i'm sensing am i not am i wrong on that
1: yeah exactly yeah (laughs) you're
0: good okay all right good at least it wasn't a tattoo yeah If there is any kidding (laughs) i like it personally i like it i think it's got a good role to it um but yes thank you rachel thank you so much for this conversation i know this has been really fun for me just to learn more about you. And I know for all of our athletes and everyone listening, um, it has probably been fun for them as well. And definitely so many good uh, gems in there um, that you mentioned um, stuff, you know, going back to uh, the schedule and visualization and um, you know, processing, working through your eating disorder. Thank you for being vulnerable with us and sharing about that. Cause that is going to free a lot of people and help a lot of people. So Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for being you. Thanks for coaching for run free and being a part of our community. And, uh, we are very excited to see what is in the future for you, not only, um, as a coach, uh, I don't know, to be honest, what I'm more excited about, like watching you evolve and grow as a coach or watching you evolve and grow as an athlete. Cause I think there's a ton more there on the athlete side, for sure. You're already doing a great job coaching, but, um, um, knowing you and your personality, like I said, you pour everything into everything you do. So, I think uh you know we're all gonna be oh, happy thanks. to know you like ten, twenty years down the line, and be like, "Yeah, remember I remember yes. that conversation with Rachel. Oprah the Podcast, so world. cool." And now you're like Oprah or something. Yes. <laughs>
1: oh, um, that's funny.
0: <laughs> yes, we, yes. Yeah. Oprah well, thank ran. you so much. For you can change you your on. handle. A
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Cool. Well, thanks, Rachel.
1: Yeah.